Hallelujah. The ushers are handing out some notes, not that you can write on and pass to other people, but that you can write on and take home. So husbands, don't write little love notes to your wife. You can whisper in her ear later. We've been talking about Romans chapter 8. So if you can turn to Romans chapter 8. The grace of God. What is grace? Grace is a free gift. Grace is a free gift. It costs Jesus everything, but it costs you nothing. It's a gift that he gave to you and I. It's a free gift. When I was in Bible college, they made it real simple for us. They just wrote the letters G-R-A-C-E, and it said God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything that God had for us through his son and what he did and how he died, he rose again, and how that finished and completed everything that Christ required or God required, fulfilled it all, and then it was released for you and I. I don't know if I have enough pages out there, so if you're a husband and a wife, if you can share, and maybe that helps the ushers pass out a couple more. This morning, the title of my message is Embrace Grace. Embrace grace. I'd like to turn to Romans 8, and I want to read about six or seven verses. And I want to see the power of grace in our lives. We've gone through chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, and this is the last sermon from chapter 8. And it's very much a pinnacle the climax, the crescendo. Paul's built everything up and he's laid one brick upon another, another brick on another, and he's built up this amazing description of grace. And he's slowly built it up, and as he's built it, he's gone back and he's t drawn from what he's already said and he's added on. And chapter 8 is a, just an amazing chapter as it just shows and it just opens up what grace, the power of grace in the last number of verses, if we start in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one, is he who died? Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are, putting to, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. 
For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just open up the revelation that you have given me. And as I've studied and looked, Lord, I ask God that I would be a vessel to display and to honor you and to convey your message this morning. Amen. You got your seatbelt on? You ready? Let's go. All right. The power of grace. As I'm studying this, one of the, the words that comes out in this passage is the word love. And what's amazing is as you study the scriptures and as you study the kingdom of God, you find out that these things are not just isolated descriptions or isolated topics. One word seems to morph or to translate or to link with another word. And that word transla translates or links with another word. And as you go, so you find out mercy and truth. His loving kindness. Grace and truth. Forgiveness, And as you study these things, you find out one word connects with another. And it's amazing. The gospel is not isolated and separated, but the gospel is interweaved and woven. So today the word love jumps out. And we know that God is love, but I also know that God is a God of grace. And as you study it, you find out that love and grace are connected. There's a connection. They're not identical. There's a definition for each one, but their definitions even overlap. The love that God has is a love that is only concerned with your benefit. And the only description I can think of is an infatuated young adult looking at a bride and going, man, there's just nothing. She is just the most beautiful thing in the world. She is just gorgeous. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. Nothing compares. I remember when I was dating Winona, I would drive to her house and my curfew was 11 o'clock. Parents, give your kids a curfew. Parent. I could have heard a couple of amens. I'll support you. If you say you're, you've got a curfew, good. Come on. I had to be home by 11. Now, my dad also was really smart. He got me to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. So it was like just the, the curfew was nothing because I knew I had to get up early. But I would drive home, and I would stay at Pastor Nelson's home till like 10 to 11, where I lived was 15 minutes away. And I would jump in the little Ford Escort and I'd bebop and I'd get on the freeway and I didn't look at the speed signs. And I'd open up the window and I would just yell out the window because I was so excited because I had just spent a couple hours with this girl that I just, man, she just was amazing. And, and the love, and, and when I asked her to marry me, it wasn't what I would get out of it. It was what I could put into it. Amen. And the love that, that I expressed, it wasn't 
dependent on how she responded. My love for her was there. Now, I had a really good idea that she'd respond in a certain way. But love is something that looks beyond the own return, and it looks for the benefit of what somebody else can get. True love. And that's the love that God poured out on us. Grace is unmerited favor. What's amazing about grace is grace doesn't look for a return. Grace also looks for a deposit. Grace looks at what you can benefit from this favor. The grace of God is all about what he pours into you, what he's given for you, what he's done for you and I. And as I've studied this over the last number of weeks or months, I've just been amazed at the grace of God and the amazing grace that he has, the depths of it, the height of it, the, the amazement of it. And it's almost to the point that if you're not careful, you can go beyond the depths of the grace. But I would like to encourage you to push yourself to find out the extent of the grace of God. Because I truly believe we as believers do not understand the height, the depth, nor the greatness of his grace for you and I. Amen. I'm convinced of it. Because if you understood the grace of God, your language would change. When you understand God's grace, your actions change. When you understand the grace that God has poured on you, you realize that the things that I do change because of his grace in my life. It's not what I get, it's the benefit that I have that extends and now goes to others. See, grace is not something meant just for David. The grace of God on David is meant for your benefit. One person was thankful for that. And he doesn't come here regularly. I wonder what that means. <laughs> but I'm not going to worry about that. I'll let you guys figure that out. So I want to take a couple minutes here, and I want to look at these verses, and I want us to get a depth and an understanding of the grace of God and the power of his grace, the power of his love. In verse 31, it starts with the question, If God is for us, who can be against us? So I'll make this real simple. God is for you. God is for you. If you love him, if you've accepted him as your savior, all of a sudden it turns the table and now he is for you. Anybody here have an argument with somebody and then they get a second person in that argument to support their cause and it's like you turn around and it's like everything's against you? I'm here to tell you this morning, if God is for you, who can be against you? I'm waiting for a hallelujah. hallelujah. If we had a keyboardist, we'd have the 
the organ going, and they'd already been going up and down the organ and doing, doo, 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 you know, and people would be dancing. I'd say, let's have a praise break because God is for us. God is for you. Don't complicate it. We complicate it. This morning, my wife stood up and said, yeah, there's yeah, buts. You got to get your butt out of the way. Instead of yeah, but, say, but God. If God is for you, who can be against you? So the first thing I want you to see is God is for you. Grace is for you. Second thing I want you to see is it says in verse 32, he did not spare his own son but delivered him only over for us all. How then, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Does anybody here need something? Anybody here need wisdom? Anybody here need a good idea. <laughs> yes, I can use a good idea. <laughs> Anybody here need some wisdom to handle a situation you've never faced before? Anybody here have people working underneath you and you're going, how did I get this position? They're smarter than me. I'm here to tell you that God is here and he says he freely gives you all things. Grace is committed to giving you all things. Grace is smart. Grace is really, really smart. We put grace in this box. And, and I grew up not touching that box. Because if we touched it, we'd go overboard. So instead of touching it and checking it out, we left it and we said, no, I'm not going to get caught up in that. I'm here to tell you, I'm getting caught up in his grace. His grace is committed to give you all things freely. And the last, thing I, last time I checked, all things meant all things. Here, who here could use some finances? I mean, put up both hands if you want. Do you know that grace is committed to overabounding your financial picture? And I can show you in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 9. A whole chapter is about giving. And then halfway through it says he can make grace abound to you. To give you all more than enough than you'd ever need. And that is in the context of money. I am more interested in you getting financial gain than I am about anybody else because I trust you more than anybody else. And I'd rather see you driving up with a nice shiny car than some car that's full of a rust. I'm sick and tired of believers saying I can't do it because I don't have the money. Learn how to give Learn how to serve. Learn how to honor the, the tithe and the money that he gives you. And then you watch out how he can perform above and beyond what you'd ask or think. 
He is committed to give you all things freely. When I went to college, I took a course in computer. The first time I went to computer class, I didn't even know how to turn on the computer. Um, I got there five minutes late, and everybody else was doing their MS-DOS program, and I didn't even know how to turn on the computer, and I was sweating buckets. And, and, and I sat there, and finally somebody went to the back of the machine and pushed the button, and this thing turned on. And then I was like racing, trying to catch up. And the, the professor, he taught me this principle. He taught all of us, but it really hit home with me. He's, he taught me the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. So maybe it was I that was told stupid, mom. <laughs> but it did me well. Don't complicate God. Read his word and accept him for what he says. What does his word say? His word says he wants to give you all things freely. The moment I say that, there's some of you here already making a de debate and, and coming up with reasons and articles of why he can't give you all things. He wants to give you all things freely. Then he, then he gets to the next verse. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who can bring a charge against? And this is now turning into legal language. Do you know you have an advocate in heaven? These next two verses talk about legal language. And he says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Now, word charge is, I, I, was, I was watching a TV show, and it's these, this in the courtroom, and they got the prosecutor, which is our enemy. And then we have our defense team, which is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and me. And I'm not really the defense team, I'm just like the defendant. And in this court case, they're talking, they're battling, and all of a sudden, the prosecutor comes up with this, hey, did you know in 1983, David did such and such? And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, how did he find out? That changes everything. I just thought I had, and, and then all of a sudden Jesus stands up. My lawyer. And he says, 1983? Don't you remember year 32? The year I died? I paid for that? That's done? It doesn't count anymore? I paid for it? Then the enemy, because, well, I've got another charge. I mean, Jesus must get exasperated. Of course, I know he doesn't but I'm just trying to play in the theater of your mind. No, I paid for that. And every time a charge is thrown, Jesus says, no, it is finished. Every single time. 
And it's not a stacked court case because those are legitimate things that the enemy brings. But what happens is I am now a new creation and I am found in Christ. And Christ says, no, my power of my redemption also is a power of justification. And justification is just as if I didn't do it. The word justified means that I have actually met all the requirements according to the law that is written. (laughs) It's a picture of grace. So in this court case, grace speaks over you. And he speaks not guilty he speaks free he speaks I paid for that he speaks no my blood covered that he speaks no the stripes on my back paid for their healing I hope you're getting a picture of grace as we're wrapping up this package because at the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask anybody here that would get like to be touched by the power of God to come forward because I'm asking God to release the power of his love and the power of his grace on everyone here this morning. Now, I've been sitting on this passage for a couple months but his love is amazing. His grace is amazing. I was not smart enough, rich enough, good-looking enough, great enough. I could not do anything enough to merit. And he says, here, David, this is what I have for you. It's called my grace. And now I live according to his grace. His grace speaks over me. It says not guilty. It's a a legal language. The next verse says no one condemn me. No one can condemn me. Why? Because Christ intercedes for me. And what's very interesting is a few verses earlier it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. And that word intercedes, it gives a picture of wanting to approach somebody for the benefit of somebody else. In fact, have you ever heard the expression, I'll hit them up for you? Hey, I got this problem, I need this help, and, 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 and you talk to somebody and they'll say, don't worry, I'll hit them up for you. That's actually in the definition of intercede. It means hit upon. So in today's language, we say, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll hit him up for you. He'll be good for it. Don't worry. I'm going to intercede. Basically, I'm going to intercede, and I'm going to hit this guy up for you. And I'm going to get the favor that you need. I'm going to get the money that you're owed. I'm going to get that whatever situation you need. I'll hit him up, 
And just trust me, it's going to be okay. That's basically interceding, and that's what Jesus does for you. So you're sitting in this court case, and he's trying to make you feel guilty, and Jesus is interceding with the Father, saying, no, that's not it. And I'm going to go to the one who is above all, and I'm going to say, I've paid the price. I've done this. This is no longer valid. And that's the picture of grace that God has for you and me. A grace that is greater. It's fixated on representing me before God. It, I'm not 100% sure of this terminology, but it almost is an obsession with your condition. Okay, it is an obsession for your condition. The grace of God is fixated on your benefit and representing you before God. Think about that. Think about somebody fixated on your good. He's fixated. He's passionate. This is the grace of God for you and I. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to say thank you, Jesus. Because I'll tell you, I did nothing to deserve it. But he said, here it is. And when I accepted the work that Christ did for me, and when he came on the door and he knocked and I led him into my life, he changed everything around me. And now grace is the way I live and that grace has Jesus fixated on my benefit and fixated on representing me to the Savior, to, to the King. He's obsessed with making sure David has the proper legal representation. He's better than any lawyer you could ever find. We'll continue. He goes from those questions and then he goes, who can separate us or what can separate us from the love of Christ? And he has seven things. And if you read them, this is a very interesting structure. The next three or four verses, it's called chiasm. It's a grammatical expression or grammatical structure, chiasm. And if you study the scriptures, the scriptures are actually written in this style quite a bit. And what it is, is it states the argument, then it hits a center point, and then it kind of works backwards. So it builds it up, A, B, C, here, C, B, A. So a, a, a progression and a regression. And if you look at the next couple verses, he goes through this and he says, what are these things? And he, he lists six or seven. And then he gets into the middle of that. And that middle is, is we're more than conquerors. And then he goes, and then he, he, he continues that argument. He works back. See, the scriptures aren't just a bunch of words thrown on black and white. The scripture is inspired by God. The scriptures are amazing. Psalm 119, the largest chapter in the Bible. It has about six or seven or eight verses, and then it has 
a Hebrew letter representing. Do you know that that is every that letter is the letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and every letter in the Hebrew alphabet is in that passage. And then if you study it, you find out that every sentence or every verse in that paragraph starts with that Hebrew letter. Then if you go a little further and you study it, you find out every sentence or every verse in that passage of Hebrew of Psalm 119, except for three of them, has the word about God's law, his truth, his commandments, his precepts, his judgments, and it's all about his word. That whole passage. So when God breathed on Paul to write this, it wasn't just Paul doing, it was the Holy Spirit through Paul. So what it was, it was actually God speaking his commitment to you. This is actually God's words to you. It's not something David came up with. This is God through Paul saying, Paul, I want you to write this. I want you to write it in your personality, but I'm going to breathe on you. And the words that you write are actually going to be inspired by me. The Bible is inspired. It's not another book. It is inspired by God. So if you need an answer, you go to the best source you can find, and that's the Word of God. And the intricacies of the Word of God are so powerful, so amazing. It never ceases to amaze me. And as we look at the passage here in Romans about grace, the structure, the method, the way Paul wrote, he didn't just write. It's like God took his hand and Paul may have thought he was writing, but it was actually the Holy Spirit putting down these words on the page. Paul was writing, the Holy Spirit was speaking. Nothing can separate me. I wrote down, the grip of love is stronger than anything. And here I know, yeah, but. Well, but you don't know. I mean, we think we're smarter than God. I know none of you have ever thought that. But every once in a while, I look in the mirror and I think, God, can I give you a suggestion? I've got this idea. And then he says, David, do you trust me? And I say, okay, you win. The grip of love is stronger than anything. That word, nothing can separate. Nothing can tear you apart. <laughs> it's, it's not like putting a little bit of, oh, let's just... No, nothing can tear you out of the grip of God's love for you. Nothing. Look at somebody and say, nothing. Nothing. Actually, say the word nothing. Don't just look at them and say nothing. Look at them and say the word nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Look at somebody and say the word 
Nothing. Last week we did this. What did we talk about? <laughs> All things is what we actually talked about last week. The power of love is like no other power. God's love is, is stronger than tribulations, distress, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. And sword actually means death. Grace of God is stronger. The power of God is stronger than any of those things. And then he throws in this passage from, from Psalms 42, I believe, and he says, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I'll tell you something. Death does not scare me because of the grace of God. And I'll say something in today's day and age. We've had it good. We've had it good. But if the world turned differently, would you still look at his grace and his love and hold on to it? I threw that in there. I'll let it sink in. Verse 37. And I'm just doing a real quick overview in here. Verse 37, but in all things we, overly, we overwhelmingly conquer. Because of grace, I do not just survive, I thrive. Because of the grace of God, you don't just survive. God has designed you and put it in you that you would actually thrive in the environment, in the situation, wherever you may be found. God has put his grace upon you so that you would thrive in that situation. When I started, I said the word grace and the power of grace should actually affect the way we live. The power of grace on your life should affect the way that you live so that other people look at you and say, there's something about you. Why didn't you freak out about this? Why do you come to work and you have a happy disposition? Why didn't that stress you out? I believe that you and I as believers with the grace of God on us makes us more than conquerors through anything. And he makes us more than just surviving, but he makes it so that you can thrive in the environment God has put you. Because the power of God and the love of God is stronger than any environment there. And this verse in this passage is embedded in the middle of trials, tribulations, peril, nakedness, drought, famine, the sword. And he says, and beyond that, in whatever that is, you are more than a conqueror. God is a God of more than enough. He didn't just say, you're a conqueror. He said, you're more than a conqueror. You don't just do enough to get by, but you are designed by the power of God. The DNA of God inside of you causes you not just to reach the top, but then go beyond. Don't live a life 
putting a limit on grace that says, can I just get by? But instead live a life that says, grace, you are greater. And because of the grace that's in me, I'm not just going to survive this, but I'm going to thrive in this condition. And I'm going to be growing and I'm going to be expanding when everybody else is detracting and shrinking and contraction. I'm going to be moving forward and thriving because of the grace of God in my life. That's the power of the grace of God that you and I have inside of us. And this morning, God wants to pour out on you his power of his grace that would move you beyond what you think you can do. We put this line across the front here in the beginning of the year, and we wrote down words that we wanted to see ourselves go beyond. I'm here to tell you today, God's grace can move you further than you could ever move yourself. So let go and let grace. Let go of trying to control and manage and manipulate and instead say, okay, God, I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to follow your words and I'm going to love this person even though they don't love me back and I'm going to forgive them even though they've hurt me and I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to repent of what I've done wrong and I'm going to walk in your ways and I'm going to follow your precepts and I'm going to let go of me trying to manage and I'm going to let you take my life and you're going to take it above and beyond because the grace of God can do that. Quit Limiting God and then he continues after that, and he says, I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God. The ultimate is the love of God. The power of love is my confidence. I have confidence in God, not because of me, but I have confidence in God because of his grace. I have a confidence in God. I have a trust in God, not because of anything I've done, anything I've accomplished, but I have a confidence and a trust in God because of everything he's done. And as his son, as his daughter, as his child, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ in everything that God has for us because of the grace that he has given us. So this morning... This morning, if you need a touch from God, I want you just to stand up. If you want the power of his love 
in a greater way, in a greater dimension, can I ask you to stand? And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and come forward as a prophetic act, as a physical act representing a spiritual condition or a spiritual decision. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to speak some words over you this morning. You do not live in the condition that you came in. You live in the condition that he came in. And this morning, the power of God is here this morning. His love is here. And some of you are craving just a connection with God. I don't know how to say it any other way. But deep down inside of you, there's a hunger and there's a crying out for God. There's going, Lord, I need more of you. I need your strength. I need your power. Just raise your hands this morning. He's going to start falling. Okay? He's going to fall on you this morning. He's going to come on you. His glory, his weight is going to come. And it's going to make, you're going to literally feel the weight of his presence on you this morning. And that's not a negative. That's a powerful confirmation of his love and his grace for you. So just let him pour it out on you. Just let him pour out his grace. Let him pour out his love. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And nothing can separate you from his love. No matter what you're facing today. No matter what you're going through. It is not stronger than his love for you. No matter what you're feeling. No matter those words that are bouncing around inside of you. That are saying no you can't. No you I'm here to tell you the power of God is stronger than those things. And those words and those thoughts. And nothing can separate you. Nothing can pull you away from his love so just receive his love right now so as this music is playing just receive it just close your eyes and just bathe in his love right now Mm. oh Jesus pour it out God Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Pour it out. Pour it out, oh God. He's touching you right now. He's touching you right now. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to take a couple minutes. I'm going to ask the pastoral team if you could come up and just walk up and down and just release the power of God. Release the glory of God. Release the love of God. Just walk along and just touch them and release them. Come into agreement with them coming and act and wanting to receive more of God. Just release that as an authority this morning. Just come and release it on everyone here. Just if you need a touch from God, just raise your hands, open up, and the pastoral team will just minister as they just stand in front. Just just minister, team. Hallelujah.
Just receive his love. Man, just receive his love. Receive his grace. Just let go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, if you've been prayed for, feel free to, to find your seats. If you still have not been prayed for, just stay forward so the pastoral team can see who can lay they can lay hands on. So if you have not yet received prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to close in a moment. I just want to say a couple more words. Because we can have a move, we can have an emotional feeling in these moments. But sometimes the emotion can change by an outward event. So what I'd like to do is I want to give you three thoughts that will strengthen the emotional feeling and build up the confidence of what God is doing. We read these questions, if God is for us, who can be against us? We read the question, who can condemn us? We read the question, what can separate us? I want you to see three things. The first thing is when we say who is for us, it settles our position. Your position with Christ is settled. Your position with him is settled. It is sure. The second thing I want you to see is when he talks about who can condemn the legal arguments and the harassment that you may feel in your mind has been settled and established by the work of Christ. So not only does he settle our position or our identity, he also settles our legal status. The enemy... I'm going to say something. You want to listen to this. The enemy is not allowed to harass you anymore. Why? Because he, Jesus, through the grace of God, has settled that legal argument and said it's done. So he settles our identity. He settles our legal case. And then what he does is he settles your heart. Because love is an expression that comes from the heart. So as you walk out this morning, 
celebrating the grace of God. I want you to be settled in your identity. I want to be, you to be settled in your mind, in the harassment, and in the legal language that comes against you. And I want you to be settled in your heart that he loves you. Amen? Why don't you greet somebody? Let somebody receive grace because you shook their hand, you looked at them, and you blessed them this morning. Amen? God bless you.